Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. Now, before we get on with this week's episode, I have a little bit of housework to do. I'm always encouraging listeners to buy the books if they haven't yet come across them, and I will share the link for the books in the podcast description box as always, but this is something new. So I have decided to create a Patreon page, maybe it's pronounced Patreon, I don't really know, so that fans of the podcast can show their support with a couple of quid per month if they so wish. It's not at all a requirement. I don't want to put this series behind a paywall because I really do believe that it's incredibly important that mental health related content be accessible to everyone. That being said, it is a huge amount of work and energy and so far, unfortunately, it has yet to become a viable source of income for me and I've got to pay my bills. I've been doing it for almost a year now and I really want to keep it going. So I've decided to start valuing myself, which I'm notoriously bad at doing by creating this owning a tip jar via Patreon where you can show your support. As I said, there is no obligation to become a patron, but if you are finding the series really helpful, if it's making a huge difference for you and you can spare the couple of euro or dollars or pound or wherever in the world you're listening from, it would be greatly appreciated. You can become a patron by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Caroline Foran. I've said Patreon wrong again, haven't I? Patreon. (laughs) So that is that, and thank you so much in advance. I am very excited about this episode. You're going to learn a huge amount about the brain and how seemingly innocuous events can trigger anxiety for us. And more specifically, you'll gain an insight into a series of alternative therapies from hypnotherapy to a groundbreaking treatment known as havening and how they might be helpful for you and your experience of anxiety. I'm joined by Stephen Travers, psychologist and advanced hypnotherapist. And he has so many other letters after his name, I will definitely get them wrong. So I will just let him do the talking. Stephen, thank you so much for for joining me on the podcast on Owning It. I've been meaning to have you on for so long because obviously I went to you many years ago now at this yes. stage when my anxiety was was really, really bad and I was probably at my lowest ebb of vulnerability and desperately searching for anything that I thought would, you know, help me feel better. Yeah. Obviously, since then, I've found different ways to get on top of it and manage my anxiety so that... I can live my life, you know, the way I am now. And, but it's still something that I experience from time to time. And as we spoke about, I was emailing yesterday about suppose, where I stand on this. And I'm always quite dubious and, and just careful around 
different treatments that are out there that say do this because I was victim of that where I was googling things from America and it said do this one thing and you'll never feel anxiety again and of course when you're in that vulnerable position you think I'll do anything to make this go away and I had a very warped view of anxiety in that it was something like a virus that I that I had been taken over by that I had to get rid of whereas when I started to kind of look at it as a stress response and anxiety is something that is in a lot of ways sort of important and essential and it's something to maybe work with rather than than try and cure for me that was a game changer now I know that mightn't line up with what you believe but if someone is sitting at home now and they're having really really bad anxiety and panic attacks and they google how the hell can I get rid of this how can I make this better they're going to come up with the results of the kinds of therapies and stuff that you specialize in so I wanted to come on and have a chat with you about what those therapies are what differentiates them how they work why they might be useful for someone and just give a bit of clarity on those things Um, and also just reassure people that there are loads of different options out there for people and it's not I would be also I'm rambling now I would be of the opinion that there's nutrition plays a role in your anxiety yes. and your sleep and then maybe something like Havening can come in and help as well but I don't think there's like a one one thing that, mm. that cures it I don't know if you will agree with me on that but yeah well there's many different types of anxiety based disorders you know we've got panic attacks there's post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. there's uh, you know generalized feelings of anxiety uh, there can be many phobias. Yeah. Uh, people can even suffer with things like you know chronic pain in their body because of unresolved stress and anxiety. So there's many, many symptoms. But they're all essentially amygdala-based disorders. Okay, and the amygdala is where the fear comes from in our brain. It's the yeah. more primitive part of our brain. Yeah, it's part of the limbic system. And what we've discovered through the work of specifically an American doctor called Ronald Rudin and his brother Stephen Rudin is when people start having symptoms of anxiety, it's generally because the, the, there is a more vulnerable neurochemical landscape has been produced from past previous stressors. Mm-hmm. And there will often be at least one very distressful event that has occurred. Okay, so a very like identifiable trauma. Yes, Okay. In the majority of cases. So when I'm working with someone, if I can pinpoint and identify that trauma or that very distressful memory or event, and then go in and use a treatment such as havening, which we'll probably talk mm-hmm. a bit more about, uh, that can make a significant difference to how the person's feeling in the present. Okay. And is it possible that people can experience anxiety and just be maybe predisposed or, or have an anxious nature without it link- always relating back to one event? Well... There's I think we're looking for the event, aren't we? We're always looking for something to blame it on and sometimes it's not easy to see. Well, I'm doing this now 15 years and nearly every single person I work with, there's at least one event. It's finding it sometimes can be the challenge mm-hmm. uh, and it can be something innocuous. Like I remember listening to your recent interview with Charlie McKenna, the actress from Peaky Blinders, mm-hmm. and she was talking about she choked on a sweet when she was about four or five. Mm-hmm. And after that, she started feeling more anxious and panicky. And even from listening to your interview, she was having problems with breathing and maybe feeling a bit suffocated at times. And if I was working with Charlene, I would certainly be looking at that event because that would be an encoding moment that has affected the amygdala and created a more vulnerable neurochemical landscape in the brain, which means you're more prone and less resilient like you're more prone to having anxiety or when other things happen being affected by them 
uh, and you have less resiliency. Okay. So before we go into talking about um, how these memories get encoded and how you help to undo the, the damage, I suppose, can you just tell listeners a little bit about your role and what you do in your background? Yeah, well, I trained... Well, first of all, I, I to give you a bit of my background. I used to suffer with anxiety and panic attacks in my 20s. I used to work as a sales and marketing coach and, and just through the stress of the job, uh, I started having panic attacks. Uh, I'd studied psychology at university for a while, so I was kind of aware of different therapies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily want to go down the counselling route of going in and, and talking about it. I wanted something more solid that would actually remove or get me a significant shift. So I, I, I was aware of hypnotherapy, and I was quite fascinated by it. So I ended up doing some uh, training in it with the Institute of Clinical Hypnotherapy and Psychotherapy here in Ireland. And the idea behind that was to obviously clear my own anxiety and to quench my own curiosity. And thankfully, uh, it made a significant difference to my anxiety and I just loved it as well. And I ended up becoming... Like you found it like a relaxing experience, even just to, to get it as a treatment? Yes, what I found was at the beginning when I was working with other hypnotherapists doing practicing, I was actually quite nervous because I was that bad that I was nervous what they would say to me when I was in the hypnosis, Mm. that they might put some negative suggestion in. That's how bad I was. So what I found what worked quite well for me was hypnosis CDs and audios because if I listened to them once and I liked them, I found them calming. When I put them on again, I could just completely relax and Mm -hmm. let go as opposed to working with a live therapist or trainee therapist and I didn't necessarily know what was coming okay and then after using the CDs for a while I could actually work with uh, a a live therapist so then you became a certified hypnotherapist yourself yes and then you added on to that with well over the last 10 years I've trained in because I love personal development things like NLP taught field therapy emotional freedom therapy the Demartini technique uh, I also studied hypnoanalysis, psychoanalysis. That's all the Freudian uh, okay. psychology. And the latest thing I discovered in the last seven years is something called havening. Okay, what is that? Well, that's a new groundbreaking psychosensory uh, therapy or set of techniques for anxiety-based disorders, uh, trauma, and building emotional resilience. Okay, and how is it groundbreaking? Well, it's groundbreaking in the sense that it can get really rapid and remarkable results within minutes mm-hmm. for anxiety-based issues, things like the panic attacks, PTSD, uh, phobias. It's very different in the sense that we use sensory touch. So when we're working with someone, we uh, gently stroke their arms, their hands, their face, and we use pleasant psychological uh, distraction. So it's quite different than a lot of the talking therapies yeah. that we're actually introducing sensory touch in. And there's a lot of neuroscience behind it as well in regards to the neurobiology of human touch and how that changes what's happening in the brain and the body. Well, first of all, if we actually look at when a trauma becomes encoded, so say you have a bad event and generally there's going to be two main things. It's going to be very distressful and there'll be a sense of inescapable stress or you'll feel trapped even for a moment. When that happens, something called amper receptors get locked onto the amygdala neurons there. And the amper receptors download everything that you're seeing, hearing, and emotionally and physically feeling at that time mm-hmm. during that stressful event. So if your heart's palpitating, 
you're sweating and your stomach has a knot in it, that's all getting encoded in the amygdala through these receptors. So this was the, one of the groundbreaking discoveries through uh, the work of Dr. Rudin. So when we're working with someone, we get them to go back to that event. And when we do uh, get them to reimagine it, these receptors fire off again for about 10 minutes. And there's something called a phosphate molecule that's exposed during that seven to 10 minutes. When we apply the havening touch, it produces something called delta waves in the brain. Which are very nice. But delta waves are very calming. They happen when you're sleeping. Uh, they're about 0.5 to 2 hertz per cycle per second. So they're very calming. They're very relaxing. And these delta waves go into the neurons uh, where the app receptors are to create a chemical called calcineurin, just to get a bit technical mm -hmm. about it. And the calcineurin dephosphorylates, which is a fancy name for, it removes the app receptors off the neurons. So okay. it removes them and clears them. And that's like turning off a switch in the brain and the body. So when someone thinks of that memory again that was distressing them, the emotional distress is completely gone from it. And any stimuli and cues in their environment that might have been triggering off the panic or the fear that was associated to that original trauma, mm -hmm. it won't be able to trigger off the anxiety anymore because the amp receptors are now gone. So that switch is now delinked. And what if someone comes to you and they don't have an identifiable point that they can go back to? How do you find it? Well, I train therapists in Havening. So we train therapists how to pinpoint and identify those traumatic memories. So there's something we call EMILY, uh, which is an acronym for event, meaning landscape and inescapability. So there's those four things we look for. Mm -hmm. The stressful event, time when they felt trapped, a sense of inescapable stress, where they felt emotionally threatened or vulnerable in some way, and also looking at their landscape. What was the neurochemical landscape of their brain at the time of the event around that period? Because if you've got other stress going on in your life, unrelated stress, uh, the chances of getting traumatized by an event is going to be much higher. Okay. And that's why two people can witness the same event, the stressful event, and one person will get traumatized and one won't. They'll be absolutely fine. That really comes down to the neurochemical landscape okay, of, so of their brain at the time of the event. It's not necessarily what's happening, it's how you're reacting to it, given your context. Yes, so if you're feeling quite, if you have a lot of stress going on in your life and, and you witness, say, a car accident, as opposed to another person, person B, and they're feeling quite calm, relaxed and happy in their life, the chances of person B getting traumatized would be much lower. Uh, person A will have a higher chance of becoming traumatized with that event because they're already stressed. Okay. You use a lot of uh, very big words there about what's happening in the brain and all. I can't pronounce any of those. But is that based on like clinical trials or how, how has this all come to the fore? Yeah, it's based on research into the brain over the last 10, 20 years about the amygdala, the limbic system, uh, sensory touch. So there's a lot of uh, research and uh, you know a lot of neuroscience is theoretical anyway. Okay. Uh, so we know a lot how the brain, brain works. And we also know from thousands of case studies that have been done by practitioners around the world in Havening that the uh, results uh, completely align with the theory. Mm -hmm. uh, there was also a study done uh, in King's College London on Havening by Professor Neil Greenberg. 
and they took people with severe anxiety and depression and they looked at the impact of just one havening session and they found that uh, over 70% of the people had a, a significant positive change from just one session. So, But there is, you mean you wouldn't claim to say that you could go and have havening treatment and never feel anxiety again in your no, life? No, Okay, that's really reassuring to yes. me because I suppose I, I tried so many different things that I maybe um, wanted to believe that that was the case. And I think that I, the last thing I would want is someone to book in and think I'm going to walk out of here and never feel this way again. Right. But you can help to, I guess, soften the memories around things and make them be less aggressive in that person's yes. mind. Yes, we're, we're looking, like when someone comes in with a specific anxiety-based disorder, like the panic attacks, the phobias, uh, PTSD, a traumatic memory, we can, in most cases, completely clear that. Okay. But that's not to say you'll never feel anxiety again. Yeah. You know, because like I've had people come in over the years and yes, some people think they shouldn't feel anxiety again, almost, uh, where they might be doing public speaking and start getting that little mm-hmm. bit of tension or anxiety coming up. But we need a certain amount of, of anxiety. Our emotions are there to, first of all, keep us safe. So yeah. we need a certain amount of fear and anxiety to keep us safe and to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, sometimes a bit of cortisol and adrenaline gives us the boost to perform at our best exactly. and to be at, at our, you know, to give us a peak performance or to be aware of what we're doing. Yeah. Something that I've really struggled with um, since I would have come to you as a, a patient years ago mm. is the memory of how bad I was when my anxiety was really bad. And it's probably the reason why, if I have an anxious week now, um, maybe I'm vulnerable because I've been overworking or maybe I'm under the weather or any of those different vulnerability factors at play. But really, sometimes all I have to do is think, oh, what if I go back to where I was? What if I, because I was not sleeping, I was having violent panic attacks all day. I was so petrified that this was the way I was going to always be that even though I've come through it, it's I still look over my shoulder and think, is it going to come and get me again? So my anxiety may have you know, come from something, so a couple of different uh, triggers from my childhood, perhaps, mm. that maybe I couldn't have easily identified. But but now the trigger, my anxiety is because of anxiety. So how would you, how would you kind of approach that? Well, part of it is about self-care. Like we know short-term stress tends to be good, mm-hmm. but prolonged stress is bad for us. And I, I think, you know, I find that people who are high achievers tend to suffer quite a bit with stress and might necessarily want to admit it because they're pushing themselves mm-hmm. so hard. So it's about having that awareness to knowing, you know, to take breaks, yeah. uh, even throughout the day, to look after yourself, uh, to have practices, maybe like, you know, you're doing some meditation, mm-hmm. you're doing yoga, you're having that holistic approach mm-hmm. of eating healthy yeah you're taking time out that you're not you know working 24 7 for weeks on end because that's when we do start to feel stressed yeah but do you think that my original sort of i suppose i was a very traumatic experience of anxiety for a couple of months do you think that is now a trauma in my head that i need to get over something that 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 do you think my experience of anxiety because it was so acute for a while sort of mm. encoded in my brain it's it depends like if you look at it if it's a memory that's not affecting you good mm. uh, if it's something that was still affecting you or there was something else there if i was working with you as a client i would explore that and see is there any emotion there because sometimes there can be the fear of the fear well that's my biggest thing yeah and i think that's common for a lot of people who've had really bad anxiety is that 
you know, okay, you find out you're not dying of a heart attack. You find yeah. out that you're f- p- perfectly healthy, but you don't feel better because you're like, well, why the hell am I feeling this anyway? So it's the fear of the fear for me was worse than any tangible fear that I could pin the blame on. Yeah. So, and, and also I suppose I could think about, you know, I've talked about this before, like with, with fear conditioning and um, where I, my parents moved down to Dingle and when my anxiety was really bad and say my, my boyfriend who at the time, uh, he'd have to go away or something. So I could enter my parents and they basically have to mind me because I was not well enough to be like left by myself. And because I was only there for like a couple of days when I was really feeling bad and I was dying with panic attacks, the next time I went back down, even though I was in a good place, all I had to do was be in that environment again. And I felt it again. And all the anxiety feelings came, the symptoms came rushing back. It was like I was right back there. And even though I knew my rational mind, it's not the house's fault. Yes. I, could, I had to actually leave and go home. And I was really upset because this is where my, my family home essentially is now. So do you think that that's, that was a trauma then? Yes. In the sense that, remember we talked about those ampere receptors, yeah. right? If you're back, say you're in this place and you start getting traumatized again, it could be your home mm-hmm. or, or anywhere. If those receptors are firing off again, they can start downloading the environment of where you are. Mm-hmm. So if you're in your house, your house can become part of uh, the the trauma that associations getting encoded. Okay. In in the, in the amygdala. So would yeah. I be would I be right in saying that the different types of therapy that you would work with, it's almost like cleaning up your server. Yes, <laughs> it, it it is a bit like that. Like you know, there is the analogy in NLP, neuro linguistic programming, and hypnotherapy that your brain is a bit like a computer. Yeah. And uh, we're using very psychological techniques to reprogram the mm. computer and that there's, you know, viruses there or bad memories of yeah. the past and we're going in and cleaning it up. And you'll always hear the phrase, like, you can rewire your brain. Yes. So and if you want to get more neuroscientific about it, yeah, you're talking about changing the neurochemical state of your brain or neuroplasticity yeah. uh, became quite popular working with the neural pathways. But yeah, in many ways, what we're aiming, when I'm working with someone, I'm aiming to free them from the past, mm-hmm. right? Identify uh, the traumas of the past, the memories, what's causing the symptoms in the present to free them from those symptoms in the present, to feel more calm, relaxed and resilient so that they can move forward in their life in a more calm, confident way. And is there a kind of candidate that would suit what you do? Well, I specialize primarily with anxiety-based issues, uh, so anyone suffering with almost any type of anxiety is the, the clients I like to work with most uh, because I get the most joy when I, and I get the results with them as okay. well. And is it, but is it most effective with things like tangible phobias, such as going on an airplane or something like that and having a fear of flying? Well, some things can be easier than, than others. That's for sure. Like I do a four session program with most people and some people come in and we have like a massive, uh, result within one session. Mm-hmm. Then other people come in and we need those two to three to four sessions, uh, to work through the various issues. Like some people come in and there's only a few things. Some people come in, there's a massive amount of things. You know, there, there could be many adverse childhood effects growing up in a, uh, you know, violent household, they may have had many traumas, uh, they could have been, you know, various abuse, they could have grown up in chronic poverty. There's a, could be a whole range of issues okay. that has affected the arc of their life. So it's like we're rebuilding that person up, cleaning up their past, helping them feel better, and then also helping them to rebuild their future. And, you know, some people 
haven't really, you know, they hide themselves away and haven't moved forward in their life or reached even half their potential. So we have to start looking at where they're going and help them to get there as well. Okay, so somebody comes into you and they're having um, panic attacks. Are mm. you going to decide which treatment to use or is it a, is a combination of all? We'll go through the different treatments maybe and you can tell yes. me what they are and how they differentiate. Nearly everyone who comes in with any anxiety issue, panic attacks, for example, I will use havening. That'll okay. be the first thing I'll use with them. Okay, and what can we expect in a havening session? Well, if I'm sitting with someone with panic attacks, I will ask them, when did the panic attacks first begin? And I'll often look for, remember the Emily event, meaning landscape and escapability. Yeah. I will look maybe, for example, for the first panic attack they had, right? The very first one and the most distressful one. In the session then, I'll ask them to close their eyes and go back to it and remember it because I want to trigger off those APA receptors in the amygdala so I can get at them. Okay. But I only do that for about 30 seconds. So then I'll ask, ask them to open up their eyes, clear their mind, then I'll start using the havening. Uh, so we start doing the light sensory touch and I'll use some pleasant distraction with them as well. So we give them that escape and we take them away from the memory. And as I haven them, and this journey takes about 10 minutes in total, I'll ask them, on the scale of 10 to 0, 10 being very distressed, 0 calm, how far down the scale they're dropping with each round of havening I do. Okay. And the aim will be to get them to a 0 where they're feeling completely calm, relaxed and at ease. Mm. And in and of itself, it's quite a relaxing experience. So do you think, do you have to be buying into the, the whole theory and the neuroscience for it to be effective for you or can you come in and have a relaxing experience and because you've produced all those lovely delta waves that can only be beneficial good question there's no belief required there's no placebo it's a neuroscientific procedure like when i tell most people when they come in that i'm going to do some havening and maybe get them to imagine walking on the beach or sing jingle bells as as the distraction and, and stroke their arms a lot of people are skeptical yeah you know, they're kind yeah. of going, what, what, what's this about? Uh, so there's no placebo effect. So you don't need to believe in it. The, the big, I suppose, evidence for people is the result within the session. When after 10 minutes, sometimes even less, they go back to that memory that was really distressing and the emotional charge they were feeling in their body, the distress, the anxiety mm -hmm. is completely gone from that memory in that moment. Okay, that's, I can understand that, that if you go back to that specific memory, you cannot feel mm. upset by it. But what about, like, the anxiety that we feel day to day isn't always necessarily, oh, this memory's at me again. Yes. So how do you, how does Havening help with that? Yeah, there can be, if you like, there can be very ma many uh, mini triggers someone has experienced over a period of, uh, you know, years or months. Mm -hmm. So there's different types of Havening techniques. So we may ask someone to kind of go into emotions like fear, anger, guilt, stress, feeling feeling trapped, or there's all these situations that make them feel that way, that they're avoiding. And we ask them to chant out the emotional feeling. And this brings us a lot of memories and feelings up from the subconscious into their conscious awareness. But as we're doing it, the delta waves are changing what's happening in the amygdala. It's like it's re-encoding those mini events or memories and it's helping to release and dissolve those feelings. Okay, so havening is your go-to from pretty much everyone who walks through your door. With anxiety-based issues, yes. But we can also uh, integrate NLP techniques, hypnotherapy in with the havening. So I can get people to imagine a different future. 
Uh, I can learn very, you know, many positive ideas and suggestions as well. Okay. What's NLP? NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. Uh, neuro for your neurology, uh, linguistic, uh, sorry, L for linguistic and programming, like programming your mind. So that idea, again, your brain's a bit like a computer mm-hmm. and you're uh, reprogramming it through how you think, what you visualize, what you say to yourself, and that can change how you feel. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, and what could what would an NLP session be like? Well, when, there's many, like NLP is a big area and, okay. and it's used in um, business and sales for language patterns, how to influence people. It's used a lot in, in therapy. It came from, it was developed by uh, uh, Dr. Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And they studied uh, brilliant therapists back in the 50s and 60s, people like Dr. Milton Erickson, who's a very famous psychiatrist and hypnotherapist, people like Virginia Satir, who's a family therapist, and a few others. So, for example, let's look if someone comes in with a bad memory with, or, or they're visualizing something in the future like, and they're worried about it, that's creating that sense of anticip- anticipatory yeah. stress. So we've kind of worked out, well, how are you picturing that? You know, are you inside that picture? Uh, what are you imagining? What are you saying to yourself? And there's something called association. So you're going back in the memories or into the future and you're really kind of like imagining it's happening to you. Mm-hmm. And that, and we know that the nervous system doesn't really tell the difference very well between what's real and what we yeah. vividly imagine. Oh yeah, so I couldn't attest to that. Yeah, and you know, sometimes we call that worrying. Uh, so with NLP, there's a technique called disassociation where we'd ask the person to float outside of the image, leave their body in it, make the image smaller, like a black and white photo, and push the image further away. Mm-hmm. And that helps to uh, reduce and even uh, delink the emotion from that memory. And we can teach them how to do that with, with various uh, negative thoughts, memories, or things they're imagining in the future that's worrying them. 
Okay, so that's NLP. That's one NL. Just that's, that's just one, one kind of, of snippet of an NLP technique you could okay. use, and you could even use those type of techniques in hypnotherapy. Okay, hypnotherapy as its own thing. Describe that for me, and what we can expect with that. Well. You've got the state of hypnosis, first of all. So hypnosis is a nice, closed process. Uh, very much feels like meditation. And you've then got the therapy end of it. So you've got hypno and therapy. So in the hypnosis, the uh, hypnotherapist would then apply a therapy or use a therapy. So they might get asked the person to go back to their past and go back to a memory and do that uh, disassociation technique I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Or they might ask the person in, in the hypnosis to go into the future and imagine a scene, maybe if they were public speaking, to see themselves doing the scene in a calm way, in a confident way. So they're doing this positive mental rehearsal whilst they're in the uh, hypnosis. Um, What's happening when you're in a hypnosis state? Well, it generally feels very, very relaxing, nice and calm. You're actually aware of what's happening. Lots of people think it's got to do with sleep from watching uh, stage hypnotists saying Mm. the word sleep. Uh, so it's it's like meditation. You're generally quite aware of what's happening around you, but your mind and body goes into a calm, relaxing state, and you're 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 often much more open to suggestion at that point as well. Okay. And your mind can kind of focus more your imagination mm-hmm. on, on various things. I would be sort of of the opinion, having tried so many different things, that anything that can get you into that deep, deep state of relaxation is good because it's giving you a break from having, you know, this sort of high cortisol stress yes. response all the time. Is is it just kind of like applying different therapies, but it's the same principle of just getting deeply relaxed and then when you're deeply relaxed, trying to unblock or replace some sort of bad messaging in your mind? Yeah, different therapies have, uh, like, they have different theories behind, you know, what works for them. Uh, like in Havening, for example, you talk there about cortisol, and you're absolutely right. When someone's uh, having a traumatic experience or when they're feeling stressed, generally their cortisol and adrenaline levels are quite high. Mm-hmm. The Havening touch, when it produces delta waves in the brain, it's also producing serotonin, GABA, and oxytocin, which are the feel-good mm-hmm. uh, relaxation chemicals. So when you're actually Havening someone, your cortisol and adrenaline levels are going down. And the oxytocin, GABA and serotonin are going up. So you're actually creating that neurochemical change in the brain and the body. And that's why you start feeling calmer. And outside of a session, if it's sort of a meditative type of thing, is it something that you can do yourself? Yes. Uh, We teach uh, our clients how to use self-havening. Self-havening can be applied. Okay. Uh, Like there's even some videos on YouTube. If you even type in my name into YouTube, uh, there's a free self-havening demonstration there. Okay, so that's where you're sort of getting yourself into a relaxed state, meditative. You're you're actually using touch with yourself to try and produce those nice hormones. Yes, you're using sensory touch where you're gently stroking your arms from the shoulder down to the elbow, gently on the palms of your hands, and also gently around your face. And that's instantly starting to produce delta waves in the brain and reducing your cortisol and adrenaline levels. Okay. I'm going to get tough on you now and say, what, yes. what, what would your response be to someone who says, this is all bullshit, or it sounds like bullshit? And I'm not saying it. That's I'm okay. Just, I know there will be skeptics <laughs> out there and I always have to be careful. Well, I all, look, well, first of all, I'd always look at the person who's saying it. Are you qualified? What's their background? What's their experience? 
if it's something that they're skeptical of, I, I understand and they're dismissive because generally, like some people have had bad experiences, you know, they've gone to therapists or even doctors and they're just really skeptical. It's nothing's working for them. And I think, you know, the proof's in the pudding. So if I was working with someone and they had a panic attacks or a phobia or a bad memory, I would say, well, look, give me 15 minutes of your time and, and you know, let me prove it to you. Have you had people who suffered with panic attacks did havening and, and stopped having panic attacks? Yes. Most of my clients stop having panic attacks. Because yes. I remember I went... That's, that's the aim. Yeah, that's the aim. I went to... Um, I can't actually remember what the type of therapy was uh, or who the person was, but I was particularly like, Jesus Christ, just give me anything. But I went in believing I'm going to walk out of here a completely different person. This, I'm going to walk in here with anxiety. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to walk out. I believed it so much. I had a lovely relaxing experience. There was kind of those things like plugged onto my temples and it was just, again, probably just getting into a relaxed state and making you feel really safe. So I walked out of there feeling really calm and I was like, oh my God, it's gone. It's gone. I went with my parents home and I, they also didn't really understand anxiety. And they were like, when I said, oh, it's gone now, they were like, oh, okay. And I went to bed that night and my mom was like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. And I said, yeah, great. And then I lay down in bed and I was like, yeah, it's gone. I was like, is it gone? And I started this slow little burning sensation just started to fill up my body where I was like, oh my God, no, it's not gone. And I was 10 times worse the next day because, and for a while after, because I thought that I was incurable. Like I was watching all these YouTube videos being like, you know, where you had to put, pay money to get the, lock the secrets for how you yeah. never feel anxious. Yes. Again. Even like... um. I even felt frustrated with like the power of now, the book, because we, we can't all just sit there and have a moment of like enlightenment and then never feel it again. It's, it's like hormonal. It's not that simple. You can't just switch yeah. it off. So that sort of, since, since I went to loads of different therapies, I now would say to anyone, like whatever works for you, whatever makes you feel good, but don't go into something expecting you're never going to feel anxiety again, because that's the worst thing you can do. Yes, I agree. Uh, we all need a certain amount of stress or anxiety uh, in our lives, especially if we're in danger. Like mm-hmm. if you're walking along the side of a cliff, it's probably wise to have, feel a bit of fear or anxiety so you're careful. Yeah. If you're walking down the street at night by yourself and you hear footsteps coming up behind you and someone shouting, it's yeah. probably good to feel a bit of fear and anxiety. Or The purpose of our emotions is to help us to survive and to keep us safe. Yeah. Um, but they're firing off in scenarios where we actually are safe and that's yeah. the problem for people well in modern life there's kind of these invisible stressors yeah. as well we've got you know we've got these deadlines of work you know we have to achieve we've got our goals in business uh people you know are trying to run businesses bring up kids pay the mortgage get get to their gym class uh they're working some people are working you know 40 50 60 hours a week and uh, that this all this can catch up with you, and that's this idea of prolonged stress is a bad can be a bad thing, even if it's doing something that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I remember, I, I at one point I was working six days a week, uh, seeing a lot of clients, mm-hmm. and um, I started getting pain in my neck, in my head, in my back. I started I wasn't sleeping great. I was feeling irritable. I was feeling stressed. And I love what I do, but I was doing too much for too long. I was doing that for months. You were wearing down your prefrontal cortex. I was wearing down a lot, a lot of things. I was just working and sleeping mm. six days a week. Sunday was just like, 
oh, just lie back on the, the, the tele, you know, watch the television, didn't even want to talk to anyone for hours, then back in again Monday morning, another six, six days off at back to front with clients, just working nonstop. It's just being aware of these things uh, mm. that, that, can affect, that can be effect us all. Yeah. Uh, it sounds from what you're describing that hypnotherapy or, or havening is such a, a worthy thing to try if there's an, an isolated trigger. But for me, while I could definitely go back to my childhood and find moments that were scary mm. that probably did sort of lodge in my mind, when I started to suffer really badly with anxiety, I really believed that it was a case of, I would, like you say, I was stressed out for so long and I wasn't addressing it, that I was wearing myself down. And eventually I just slipped over into that mode of suddenly I was reactive to everything and I was sensitive and I felt exposed and vulnerable. Yes. So it's a different kind of anxiety when it's, uh, there was no traumatic thing that, you know, I always felt like this is ridiculous that I have this anxiety because nothing bad happened. Whereas I'm, I was looking for something like if someone had a death in the family, that would maybe justify the anxiety, yeah. whereas I couldn't justify it. But, but it can be many things accumulating. What, what you're describing there, like feeling hypersensitive or hypervigilant, maybe maybe overly empathetic, uh, easily stressed or irritable, not, not sleeping great, mm-hmm. they're all symptoms or the consequences of a vulnerable neurochemical landscape. Okay. That means there's too much cortisol going on, there's too much adrenaline, there's some unresolved stressors, it could be past or present. And ways to deal with that, well, first of all, we can do the self-havening. We can do that regularly every day just to down-regulate, to keep that thermostat low of anxiety. When okay, so you're life. doing what you can to bring your cortisol yeah, down. You're not letting it build up yeah. every, every day. You're mm-hmm. aiming to bring it down to something like self, self-havening. Uh, it could be even doing some like meditation. So would, every it, day. Would, it, would it be similar to meditation in terms of the effects on your on your like hormones and on all those things in your brain, all those chemicals? Well, everything I've studied and trained in over the years, when it comes to stress and anxiety, I find havening to be the most effective okay. in the sense it gives me the most instant feeling of calmness and relaxation. I don't need any special equipment. I, I can do it anywhere once I have my hands, I can I can self-apply it on myself. And once you start, the receptors in the skin, once you start gently stroking, it's instantly starting to create uh, those delta waves, reduce your heart rate, your blood pressure, and calm you down. Could you say the same about like a massage? Yeah, well, the neurobiology of touch uh, and on what having was developed on uh, actually came from looking at massage and Swedish massage uh, and had touched uh, changes uh, what's happening in the brain and the body mm-hmm. so yeah going for a massage uh, maybe every week or every uh, well every day would be great wouldn't it <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's it, it's about introducing things into your life that create that emotional equilibrium okay. and stop this allostatic load which is a buildup of stress getting too high Okay. And it's being aware and, and knowing the signs and the signals when you're starting to feel. Like sometimes I'll still get maybe a little pain in my head or my mm. neck or my back. And every time it's because I'm I'm trying to do too much or I'm doing too much. And can havening be sort of a preventative thing to, that you do to sort of keep yourself well? Or is it something that you do retrospectively to, to try and address a problem that's gotten out of hand? It's both. 
we're doing a lot of work in Havening over the last few years about resiliency okay. and using Havening for emotional resiliency. So that's why we're teaching our clients to do it. But unfortunately, human nature can be sometimes when we get rid of the problem, we don't necessarily keep doing the things that were working for us. Mm-hmm. So how many people necessarily keep doing self-havening after session or keep doing their meditation or... Well, I mean, that's true because we yeah. go, we turn to meditation when we're in desperate position and we think, oh, I'll do this now. And, I'm, and obviously it doesn't work and you feel terrible and then you give up or you do it for, like, I'm very guilty of not doing the things that work for me when I feel good because when I feel good, I don't want to know about it. I yeah. just want to live. Yes. And then I end up back in a situation where I'm like, okay, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't appreciating how important it is to do these things every day that just keep those, like you say, that keep that equilibrium Yes, it's, it's part of human nature. We tend to move away from pain towards pleasure and pain's a big motivator for us. So when we're in pain, we'll take action. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like your teeth mightn't be, if someone's teeth's not great, you know, it's not until they get a, a toothache and they're in pain that they go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. So what would yeah. you say to someone now who's listening, who's having really bad anxiety, who's thinking, look, I'm willing to try anything, but also knowing my need to protect that person from feeling vulnerable and where I was, where they would just pay anything and go anywhere for any kind of treatment. Do you think that there's, obviously there's a lot of research and merit to what you're talking about, yes. but there's things out there that doesn't that don't have that merit. Well, I think, you know, not, nothing works for everyone 100% of the time. Okay. Uh, I think it was, it was some therapist who said that. I think it was Dr. Roger Callahan, the psychologist who created TFT. Uh, and he said, you know, if you have a 100% success rate, you're not seeing enough clients. Yeah. So to claim that one treatment or one therapy works for everyone all the time is unrealistic. And yeah, it can create false expectations. My recommendation for people would be, obviously, I'd say look at havening. But I'll also say, you know, do a bit of research. And if you're going to see a therapist, pick up the phone and have a chat with them. Look at their website as well. See that they have a look at their credentials and look at testimonials, success stories that they've got a track record of success working with those specific issues that you want to work on, be it anxiety, panic attacks, PTSD, and have a chat with them because it's also about the connection that you have with the person sometimes mm. that there's that rapport when you're going in to see someone and that they can actually understand your, your problem. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about phobias. I don't know that I have any specific phobias, but I get a lot of people messaging me who who do. And is that something that's easier to handle with because not not for the person but easier for you to sort of dress because it's isolated and it's it's sort of tangible and you can see it right there and it's maybe does relate to like a specific time that one bad thing happened and now like with Charlene maybe she's afraid of eating nuts in case she chokes or something yeah it's another good question in many cases yeah phobias can be cleared in one session right but it's also if a phobia happens very young and it's unresolved, how it can start affecting other areas in your life. Because trauma begets trauma. So because you have a vulnerable neurochemical landscape, something else might affect you. You're more prone for something, another situation affecting you, then another affecting you, then another affecting you. So you can end up with a phobia. There can be a phobia, but there can also then be panic attacks or, you know, social anxiety or, uh, you know, some sleep problems because the cortisol is too high because there's a lot of unresolved stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So if it's just a very isolated, like a phobia, like I've worked with many people with phobias and they come in and it's literally one or two sessions, it's gone. Then other people come in and there's a phobia, 
but there's also a dozen other things going on. You start digging a bit further with them. Mm-hmm. They're not sleeping great. There's feelings of unresolved anger or grief or, yeah, they're not functioning to their full potential. There's other stuff go- going on. So phobias, if it is just a phobia to have, it can be cleared within one or two sessions. Okay. And you're looking for that Emily again, that event. Okay, what does, what's yeah. that again? A-E? If, if, if Emily's event, meaning landscape and escapability. And do you think Emily is something that people can take from this podcast and try and think about themselves with their own, if they had a bad memory? Well, clients first come in to see me, I often look for Emily. Okay. Um, because I just don't want to, if you like, treat the symptoms. And that's a big mistake that I find that's happening with a lot of people who come in to me. have done a lot of therapy. They're sitting with therapists and they're looking at symptoms and, and the therapist is not really pinpointing and identifying what's causing it causing it getting to the root of it is there always a cause and a root the majority of the time yes the vast majority of time there's always at least one memory it's it's rare there isn't most nearly every single time the challenge sometimes can be is finding it Mm. do you think a lot of it goes back to Mm. childhood well we know like when you look at adverse childhood effects that's a ACEs they're called. That's big in, you know, uh, academic literature about trauma and anxiety. And there is a correlation that the more adverse childhood effects a child experiences in early life, uh, there's a higher probability that they'll have an anxiety-based mm. issue. Like we know, for example, that uh, if you grow up with someone who has a drink problem, an alcoholic, when you're a child, there's a higher probability that you're going to have some sort of anxiety-based issue. There's, there's mm. correlations there through, through, through research okay. on that. So with, so with someone who comes into you, they're going to, they can expect that they're going to go back in time and, and probably try to explore and uncover things that maybe they don't think are relevant, but actually to you, they are very obviously. Yes. And it's very easy to pinpoint if, if it's relevant or not, because if they have a memory and they've kind of buried it away or they don't look at it, they think, ah, oh, fine, but I don't need to look at that. All I have to say to them is close your eyes, go back to that memory and vividly remember it. See what you saw, remember what you heard, and really go to the worst part of that memory. If there's an encoding in the amygdala there, they're going to start feeling uncomfortable within seconds. Mm, okay. Emotions will start to come up. And we'll scale it on a scale of 0 to 10. Where are you on that scale? And sometimes it might even be that high. It could be like a 3 or 4. And I might say, well, what's that feeling? And they go, you know, I feel a bit angry. Mm. And then when I start happening them, because the delta waves, it's called associative process, and it frees up the brain. Things start to unlock quicker associations. So when we start happening them, it's like going down a rabbit hole, different memories, emotions, that are suppressed and even repressed and come up into their conscious awareness. So they can start off feeling angry about one thing and then suddenly they go back to something completely different where there's massive anger about that they've really suppressed or shut down or even forgotten about. Okay. And would you describe the havening and the different types of uh, therapies as like complementary to everything else you're doing in your life to try and help own your anxiety? Uh, yes. Uh, it's this idea of a holistic approach. So if you do some havening sessions, for example, it would be good to keep up doing some self-havening as mm-hmm. you know, part of your resiliency or self-care. Yeah. 
or but if, if you do your havening yeah. and then you're like um, smashing three double espressos in the morning and you're still wondering why you're feeling anxious like you kind of have to look at the whole picture don't you yeah you, you've got to look at yourself uh, like everyone is an individual and your subjective experience and yes for some people they can drink one espresso and they're getting heart palpitations some people can drink coffee before mm-hmm. they go to bed and they're fine so it's about being self-aware Mm-hmm. and what works for you yeah. different things do work for different people and people respond and react differently to, to things as well like some people external stressors light them up yeah. they sometimes see top CEOs and high performers they enjoy challenges mm-hmm. while with another person that's external stressors and challenges they don't want them mm-hmm. it literally does stress them mm-hmm. it's also about looking at your life you know what are you doing with your life are you in a job or a career or living your life doing what you love and, and loving what, what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big part of it. Are you uh, fulfilling your potential? Like sometimes you can be in a situation in your life where you're not happy doing what you're doing and that's the problem. Yeah. So sometimes people come in and they're feeling anxious about something and they're trying to get rid of the anxiety, but the problem could be, well, you're in a job that you absolutely hate. Okay, so Maybe let's look yeah, at that. Yeah. Okay, so you have to be realistic. <laughs> or you're in a relationship that's not working. So it's yeah. about being practical and it's about being able to identify what are the main causes and, and triggers of, of mm. the stress and looking at the bigger picture. Okay, where can people find you? If they go to my website, stravershypnosis.com, that's my main mm-hmm. website. There's a blog there as well where I give away lots of free information and advice. I just type in Stephen Travers into Google. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's lots of information there, pages about me. Or they can call my office as well. So we could only sort of lightly touch on the, the, the theories and the neuroscience of what backs up hating mm. and everything. But if someone is still thinking, oh, I don't know, and they want to read more about the research and any sort of proper measurable scientific yes. studies can't where can they go for that you can go to king's college study on uh, on google okay king's college study havening they can also go to the official website havening.org and there's white papers there i go to the research section and there's lots of white papers around the research the neuroscience um, and even typing havening into youtube there's various videos uh, which talks about havening as well. Uh, okay. There's one by Tam, sorry, Tam Johnson gives you a lot of the science behind it as well. But King's College study, if you really want to look at the study, uh, that'd be the one to look at. Okay, Stephen Travers, thank you so much for joining me on Only at the Anxiety Podcast. Thank you, Caroline. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.